Hello, and welcome to the History of Haiti. In the last episode, Alexandre Pétion, the president of the Southern Republic of Haiti, died of natural causes while in office, a rare fate for Haitian presidents. In this episode, I will discuss his successor, Jean-Pierre Boyer, and how he once and for all crushed the Gomon insurgency. When it became clear that Pétion was about to die, the leaders of Haiti wanted to choose a new president as soon as they could. On March 30th, before Pétion's funeral, the Senate met to elect a president. According to the Constitution of 1816, the previous president would propose a successor, and that successor would be confirmed by the Senate. However, Pétion had not proposed a successor, so the Senate had to choose a successor by itself. Six candidates were proposed. Of these candidates, only one was really a candidate. All the other candidates had problems with their candidates, which would have terminated lesser candidates, and they were mostly lesser candidates. To compound this, none of the other candidates really wanted the job. The most prominent, the most prominent of these candidates, General Borgella, left the capital after Pétion died, which is not what he would have done if he had wanted the Senate to elect him president. There was only one real candidate for the office of president of the Republic of Haiti. Say it with me now, Jean-Pierre Boyer. He actually wanted the job, and everyone knew that he was going to be president. I have even seen it written that some of the senators thought that by not naming a successor, Pétion had been supporting Boyer because Boyer was the most prominent of the candidates. One of Boyer's fellow commanders of, of the Port-au-Prince garrison threatened to declare Boyer president if the Senate did not immediately. So the Senate then elected him, and he was sworn in about a month later. Boyer was an interesting person. He had a solid 25 years of experience in the Haitian military. He was pragmatic and also very power-hungry. One of his one of the first things he did as president was to consolidate the power of some of the ministers of state into himself. He would reign for 25 years. In the Republic, public education was growing. Many schools had been built, and some of them were receiving government funding. Boyer convened a commission of education to manage education in the Republic. In the major cities, there were several schools. Many of these schools were run by religious organizations. In accordance with the Constitution of 1816, once or twice a year, the House and Senate would convene for a few months to make laws. I will mention the important things they will do, but I will purposefully ignore the beginning and ending of their sessions. In the North, Henri Christophe's construction of the plantation economy was bearing riper and riper fruit. His entire plantation economy was a well-oiled machine, expertly designed by Christophe. The Code Henry and other pamphlets were distributed and managed the plantations down to every minute detail. He ran a command economy, which functioned incredibly well. There was established a social hierarchy that was followed. His plantation economy was exporting 100 million pounds of sugar a year, which is a crazy amount. He had in his treasury something like 10 times the annual gross revenue of the Republic of Haiti. This money he spent on construction, on the construction of his feudal nobility, his grand palaces and fortresses, and his lavish parties. 
There was perhaps a good side to Kristoff, in addition to the horrible, raging tyrant side of him. He wanted to develop Haiti. He wanted to make Haiti into a respected power on the world stage. He wanted to show, through his country's success, the racist myths that Africans were stupid and lazy were untrue. He wanted to show Europe how strong Haiti was. He built schools to educate the Haitians. He tried to introduce new farming techniques, such as the plow to Haiti. Foods including wheat and the potatoes were grown in large quantities, which contributed to a population boom in the north. Because of the success of Petion's land distribution program, Christophe began his own, albeit on a smaller scale. Land was given to soldiers, with more land given to higher-ranking officers. In August 1818, lightning struck Citadel Lafayette, Christophe's Grand Fortress. It blew up its ammunition depot, which heavily damaged part of the fort and killed much of its garrison, including Christophe's brother-in-law. Author and historian Lauren Dubois calls this a bad omen, and if the two arsenal explosions I talked about last episode were an omen for the death of Petion, then this was an omen for the death of Christophe. In early 1819, Boyer had most of his major generals and their soldiers go to the Grandants. They surrounded the Grandants. Boyer instructed his soldiers to treat the campaigns as if they were hunting fugitives. The armies moved into the Grandants. They moved inward into the mountains and countryside, setting up regional bases. From these bases, search parties were sent to Hunkoman's bands. They destroyed the numerous farms which decorated the countryside and which fed the insurgents. To hide from the search parties, Maroons would trek through streams as to not leave their tracks. The Republicans soon caught on to this trick, though. When bands of insurgents were found, they usually dispersed as soon as they were found. The Republicans captured quite a few of them, though. Only a few insurgents actually showed resistance against the Republicans. As they gave up, and they gave up pretty quickly after resisting them. Hundreds of Gomond soldiers were captured or just defected to the Republic. There was no point in continuing the fight. The final stronghold of Gomond was at his capital village he dubbed Grand Doko. It was located near the top of a tall mountain that had large food farms nearby that produced an abundant amount of food. Gomond supporters who remained loyal to him fled to this village. The Republican generals surrounded the base of the mountain. They then moved up the mountain. Unexpectedly, a group of Republicans found Grand Doko and attacked, or perhaps attacked is not the right word, because there was no one willing to fight back against them. The insurgents mostly surrendered, but a few, including Goman, fled. Grandoko was sacked and burned. After nearly 13 years, in June 1819, the Goman insurgency was finally dead. After the end of the campaign, the Republicans made some efforts to track down Goman himself. Eventually, Goman and a small gang of his followers were surprised and shot at. Goman escaped, but his friends and his belongings were captured. This is the last time anyone saw Goman alive. They searched for Gaumont for months, but he was nowhere to be found. Eventually, Boyer came down to the south on one of his tours. Boyer had previously done tours of the Republic to drum up support for himself. Gaumont's son surrendered to the Republic, 
and told them that he had spent months looking for his father to no avail. At this, in early 1820, Boyer published a declaration declaring that Gaumont must have died from wounds from when he was attacked. While this is plausible, the storyteller in me likes to imagine Gaumont perhaps leaving the Grandons and becoming one of the freehold small farmers that existed in the rural parts of Haiti. The Gaumont insurgency represents the true spirit of the Haitian Revolution. It was a group of people who broke free of the plantation economy and fled the and fled to the interior to live and work for themselves. It is an interesting event, and the method of small freehold farmers that they had had begun to take root in the rest of Haiti thanks to Petion. The Republic's financial situation, for one of the first times in the Republic's history, was actually in a good place at the end of 1819. Boyer had been raising taxes, and so the Republic now had a budget surplus. Considering that Petion's land reforms had started because he was too broke to pay his soldiers, this is interesting. So I've hinted several times that Christophe was soon to die, and next episode, we will see the violent fall of Christophe's monarchy. Thank <laughs> you.